The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, we got uh, coming up Joe Allen uh, to talk transhumanism. He's got a fantastic book called Dark Eon, which he and I discussed some months back on my podcast, Geopolitics and Empire. Uh, and so we'll get his latest thoughts um, regarding what's happening in the transhumanist world. And, and of course, don't forget to follow him on Twitter X, Jobot XYZ, and his substack, jobot.substack.com. Some news, Republican South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem uh, came out today or yesterday and said that Mexican drug cartels have set up shop on tribal reservations in her state because they know the federal government has jurisdiction over those lands and that the Biden administration is letting it happen. I definitely would not be surprised if that was the case. I can, I can believe it. Uh, you know, if the cab driver here where I am uh, has now tried to come back to my house for the third time to try and sell me crack cocaine, uh, where you got, you know, just random cab taxi drivers in Mexico selling crack cocaine. Uh, it's not hard for me to um, uh, think that in South Dakota, the cartels would be using the tribal lands. Uh, so that's going on. And a lot of war news. Uh, you've got chaos in, in Brussels as uh, rubber bullets fired at farmers protesting outside the EU parliament you've got as well in in um netherlands and france i'm seeing video clips now they're in france they're burning the you know setting fire on the highway um, with with blockades and uh so back here in brussels it says uh rubber bullets water cannons deployed against hundreds of european farmers protesting outside the um the dragon's den satan's lair uh the eu parliament building in in brussels the farmers threw eggs, set off fireworks, started fires near the building, demanding European leaders stop punishing them with more taxes and rising costs imposed to finance a so-called green agenda. So the, these farmers are on the front line of battling climate change-ism uh, to stave off the, the eugenics and Malthusianism that the elites want to impose on us. So, you know, help the farmers however you can. Uh, we'll see. You know that, that's European EU democracy for you. Uh, so yeah, the farmers are out in full force. Um, we've got uh, there was an interesting op-ed from Inderjit Parmar, who I've had on my podcast. He's out in the UK. He published today for the Wire. Uh, flashpoints in Ukraine, Gaza, Yemen, Taiwan point to a global war in the making. That's been my instinct for many months, years now. Uh, and so interesting to see now other intellectuals coming to the same conclusion. He says, globally, the geopolitical and geoeconomic cracks in a system of complex interdependence are evolving into schisms. The world appears to be heading towards another major war on a global scale over supply lines, alternative trade routes, control of the seas, and the Eurasian landmass. You've got that. Uh, you've got this story um, as well. The U.S. began resuscitating major World War II um, era military 
sites in the Pacific. Japan and Germany signed military supply sharing packs. Someone on the social said, haven't we been there before, right? World War II, the Nazis and Imperial Japan. And so it says Japan and Germany concluded a military pact to facilitate exchanges of supplies and logistical support as the two aim to strengthen their defense ties in the face of China's growing maritime assertiveness in the Indo-Pacific region. Uh, meanwhile, this is interesting that uh, Stoltenberg has come out ahead of NATO to say this because it was reported not long ago that uh, some U.S. politicians know that the U.S. government was, I don't know if this passed or not, but they, they were making it more difficult for the U.S. to leave NATO. They were going to put in another legislative obstacle. And now you've had Jens Stoltenberg. Isn't this interesting? So he says, NATO chief, I'm not worried that Trump will pull out of the alliance. It's almost like a, a sequence where they had these U.S. politicians put in this um, this extra legal maneuvers to tr if, if, if the U.S. were to pull out of NATO. Um, and so now maybe with that in place, uh, he says the leader of NATO is not concerned about the U.S. pulling out of NATO, even if Trump wins re-election. He says, I'm confident that the U.S. will remain a staunch, staunch ally. Uh, Israel accepts ceasefire deal. Uh, they've agreed to a ceasefire proposal that would halt its war with Hamas, citing the Qatari foreign ministry. Who knows? Tomorrow that can be tossed out the window. We've got no idea what will happen with that. And it, I don't know what to make of this. this. is an interesting story. Britain plans Robocop force to protect nuclear sites with paint bombs. Britain's nuclear sites could soon be protected by a Robocop-style police force made up of AI-powered drones equipped with paint bombs and smoke guns. So, I mean, if they can do that to the nuclear sites, I'm pretty sure at some point they would roll these out to the in the city and, and suburbs of, 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 of Britain to be used against uh, the population. It says the Nuclear Decommission Decommissioning Authority, which runs high-security nuclear sites, such as Sellafield, wants to build a robotic police force to cut costs and boost security across sites containing <clears throat> radioactive uh, waste. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll see what happens there. A quick reminder, if you've got an upcoming community event, rally, march, festival, or fundraiser that could do with some free publicity, TNT wants to promote it for you. Simply visit the What's On Events calendar on the TNT website and submit your event details, and we'll get the word out, uh, helping you make a difference on today's News Talk TNT. It's the stuff. It's that division. People are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All righty. How's it going? Sorry about that. The U.S. last year, uh, apparently, during the largest ever joint drills with Australia to uh, create new stockpiles of equipment in the country in preparation for a potential conflict with China over Taiwan. Oh, boy. Uh, this is actually according to a report coming from Reuters. Uh, they released this spiffy report yesterday on Wednesday. Um, wherein, according to a large number of U.S. officials that were interviewed uh, by Reuters, uh, the war material was stashed during this exercise last July and August. The name of this exercise was called Talisman Sabre. 
one of those military drills. They were held in and around Australia and involved more than 34,000 troops from 13 nations, and it focused on boosting combat readiness and logistical capabilities. Well, apparently, it also served as great cover to do this. Um, the equipment from the exercises included 330 vehicles and trailers and 130 containers stored in the southeastern part of Australia, according to Reuters. It added that in the event, just maybe, just in case, perhaps, if this happens, i.e., yeah, in the event of a conflict, this would be enough to supply about three logistics companies with a combined strength of 500 or more soldiers. Alternatively, the equipment could be used during future drills or to deal with a potential natural disaster. Although I'm not sure why you need military uh, equipment to deal with a natural disaster. Um, numerous officials interviewed by the news agency cited logistics as a weak spot in the U.S. military, which China could exploit in the event of a conflict, potentially by bombing refueling ships and jet fuel depots. Such tactics, the officials warned, could allow Beijing to hamstring Washington without having to engage the bulk of U.S. forces. The Chinese embassy in the U.S. did not directly comment on the report, but told Reuters that Washington should, quote, stop enhancing military contact with the Taiwan region, end quote, uh, and also, quote, stop creating factors that could heighten tensions in the Taiwan Strait, end quote. Well, you know, America uh, certainly is known to do these types of things. Uh, the rift between the U.S. and China over Taiwan has widened in recent months, fueled by Washington's arms sales, as well as visits by senior lawmakers to the self-governing island. Beijing regards Taiwan as part of its sovereign territory and has denounced U.S. contact with Taipei as meddling in its internal affairs President Xi Jinping has said China is seeking peaceful reunification with the island, although Beijing has not ruled out the use of force to achieve this goal. Meanwhile, U.S. President Joe Biden, gotta love him, he pledged in 2022 that Washington would defend Taiwan, quote, if there was an unprecedented attack, end quote, but insisted that his country is not encouraging independence for the island. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so, Hervori, what do you think about this increase in aggression? We're going to go to war with uh, China now over Taiwan, but at least we're ready. We've got weapons conveniently stockpiled under the cover of massive military drills. Yay. It's um, just more proof, um, you know, to what we've been saying for many weeks, months, years. Uh, Arrakis, you know, I was going to mention this um i think uh, there was this uh, the other report from daily caller talking about uh the us beginning to resuscitate world war ii era military sites in the pacific um amid a sweeping pivot toward prep for a potential china conflict so uh, it's just all over the place ruckus i mean i don't know what what you know if you were the chinese or anyone in that region, if you just take a look back, they're preparing for something. You know, the the West is preparing to make um, a move, uh, and they probably have strategic calculations going back many years. Uh, some people have have said that. Uh, I, I think they have said that 
that it would be better that the China would would um, the, the West is weakening. So there, there are debates at whether, you know, maybe China, it would be better for China to move now on Taiwan before the U.S. Um, builds builds up further its stockpiles. Uh, so some say China should go for it now. Uh, the West wants to do it later. And so I just don't see, you know, as we report on this every day, Ruckus, I do not see uh, any uh, us getting out of this. It seems like the Pentagon wants to take us to war with China. Which doesn't make a lot of sense unless they want to lose the war with China, all things considered. Meaning I read I've been paying attention to some of this stuff and I read through this report from Reuters um, and everybody's saying, you know, that they're worried about like supplies, in particular missiles, uh, which would quickly run out if there's a major conflict and the Navy ships going to run out of their missiles. Uh, the reason they're stockpiling stuff now is because they they realize logistically that um, one one officials quoted as saying, quote, if we run out of the things to shoot, meaning the ammunition, that's going to be an immediate problem. And quote, yeah, obviously, that would be a pretty big problem. How come we don't have a lot of stuff to shoot? How come we don't have enough missiles for the military and for the Navy? I wonder where all of that went. Oh, that's right. Everywhere else, like Ukraine and Israel and uh, God knows where else, Harori, any anywhere and everywhere, but where we technically need it. So now they're like, oh, wow, whoops, we better start saving some of this. It's too late. You know, if you want to start some stuff with China, it's too late. Let's let's not start stuff with China. Do I get a vote? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. And it, it doesn't make sense either. You know, I just I think today. The 50 was a billion Ukraine package from the EU was approved. And we've been sending all this money for Ukraine. So, you know, where's the money? I guess the Fed can just just print it to infinity. But I also can't get out of my head. Um, you know, when I went last year to the conference, American Freedom Alliance, uh, General Robert Spalding, I think, was stationed in the 2000 teens out in China working for the DOD. I forget in what... Um, and exactly what was his position. But he, he said, you know, his general says, um, there's no way that we can win in, in Taiwan. He says that the best we could do was evacuate the Taiwanese, that um, America cannot project that far. Uh, so it just seems like a fool's errand. It feels like suicide. Um, maybe that's part of the plan, Ruckus, to wipe out America to make way for the World Economic Forum's you know, one world government run, you know, via Chinese style technocracy. You think that's what they're going for? Again, it really the game seems like they want us to lose because a lot of the way some of this works is projection, um, like how you present yourself to the enemy is like you're usually you want you want reports going out that saying, oh, man, we're so ready for a war with China. If China wanted to start something we got you. We're going to kick your butt from here to uh, Bangkok or wh whatever they would say. You know what I mean? They, they don't come out and put reports uh, on Reuters. That's that's one of the come on, like Associated Press, Reuters, places like that. You don't do these big mainstream articles showing that we're not ready for a war with China. If you honestly think China is a threat, because then China is going to be like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. It looks like a good time to strike America right now when they're weak. Hello, what are you doing? So again, I don't understand the game plan unless the game plan is that we lose. And yay. 
Well, we'll just, uh, we'll hope for the best. I don't know what else to do, Ruckus. All right, thanks for that. We'll be back with Joe Allen right after this. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help the population. populations. We start with a history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce Torres on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, returning to the broadcast is Joe Allen. I, I, may, I might be mistaken, but I think I was the first to ask Joe to come on TNT. That would have been maybe 20 22 i'm not sure but this is the first time i think he's on with with video uh with me here and a couple months back in my podcast we discussed his awesome book you can see uh, you can see it in the background dark uh eon and people can, can go to jobot.substack.com to to follow his work uh how's it going uh joe how's life very good it's been busy and that's always a good thing well, yeah. How's the book tour going? I hear you. You've been uh, on the on the book tour. I think you're paused for a moment, or or and you'll be back on the road. Or, or how's that going? Uh, that's right. Uh, ended at the end of the year. Uh, got a hard, hard case of COVID. Uh, reset. I had my own personal great reset, and uh, be back out uh, end of the month. And just uh, you know, how long are you going to be out, and what parts of the country will you be going to? I'm not sure really, but uh, I begin, let's see, I, I haven't actually made up the full list, so I'm just going to throw out the kind of random version of it. Uh, we'll be in Nashville, Franklin, Tennessee, uh, then in Pennsylvania, Boston, Massachusetts, uh, upstate New York, uh, a lot of different places. We'll have the the full tour schedule, at least the open dates, uh, 
up on the site, maybe a week, week and a half. Anyway, but yes, uh, it was it was fantastic getting around, and uh, I look forward to getting back out. But for right now, I'm also kind of happy to be uh, sitting here at home. Yeah, and if people are in the region, I would. Uh, I mean, if I were in in, in any of the, those areas, I would make it out to your book um, event. And again, I, I highly recommend the book. I've purchased the copy, and we've discussed it previously. And I, you know, I sort of wanted to get you an update um, regarding some of those themes. And I've been following uh, as well on your Twitter uh, X. People can go to Jobot X Y. Z some of the stuff you've been commenting on there but do you have any thoughts on on Davos because they just they they recently I believe um finished the meeting there they were talking about how coffee is bad for you because of its CO2 they were talking about digital IDs and vaccine passports and DARPA stuff um I don't know how much you caught but uh you know any takeaways from that I caught a fair amount you know it, it, there's a, a lot of voices there I was surprised to see the president of Heritage Foundation there. Uh, and I, I was also surprised to see so many people who were talking about AI in terms of the negatives, in terms of the dangers. That's always been the case. You know, you'll out of the dozens and dozens of sessions, there's always going to be somebody who is talking about the downsides. But that was maybe more prevalent this time there's always an agenda, of course. And so one of the underlying motives for pointing out the downsides of AI is, of course, to try to push through some kind of regulation to keep people safe from the AI, but also, of course, to bolster government power. A lot of the AI legislation being proposed, Davos, Washington, um, uh, EU, the Davos, I'm sorry, the AI legislation in general is focused on disinformation. And anytime you hear disinformation, I think that by and large, that is code for information that is unpleasant or unpalatable or inconvenient for the powers that be. So it's a, I, I see it as being a, a very difficult balance because it is undoubted that AI will continue to drive disinformation. And it's also undoubted to me that one of the big problems in the media landscape, the internet in general, is that there's so much hooey. But uh, that doesn't mean you give uh, you know, a singular regulatory body in the EU or Washington DC the power to determine what people can and can't think. So it's a big, it's a big tension. I, I, I will say, I, you know, ironically, I think that when you hear the various people coming out of Davos, Klaus Schwab, of course, um, uh, the EU's own Ursula, uh, what they are talking about when they, you know, they say disinformation is the number one danger going forward. Oddly enough, I agree. It's just that the uh, second danger is, or maybe the primary danger over and above that, is handing over power to a regulatory body to take care of that for us. It's pretty much up to us to weed out the truth from the hooey. And even if we screw up, I don't think there's any good reason to turn that power over to the government. I would fully uh, agree. And as you mentioned, AI could be dealt, could be used to deal with this info. Uh, but it, it, you know, I think it will, you know, it'll easily serve the powers that be to weed out malinformation, right? The, the, the info that, yeah, is truthful that they don't want to be um 
known and yeah it just seemed like more of the usual um a davos which also isn't a good sign which means that they're they're just doubling down they're not reacting to any of our pushback and uh you know other stuff that's uh, important as well that, that that's going on i saw some of your explanations earlier the Neuralink news right uh so there's some uh Neuralink news and and could you you know sort of uh break that down for us help us make sense about what's going on with Elon Musk and I think the, the first was it the first successful uh, Neuralink test with a, with a human or something that's right yeah last year the FDA gave approval for human clinical trials uh, must have been three maybe four days ago now that you know Neuralink implanted their first patient there's not a lot of information about the patient at all uh, but the the sort of uh, uh, unclear messaging coming from Elon Musk is that it is more than likely a quadriplegic, someone who's locked in. That's the that's really the typical sort of profile for a patient who's receiving a brain-computer interface. Uh, of course, there are probably over 60 brain-computer interfaces in other patients' heads from other companies outside of Neuralink, but I think that it's really a big deal that Elon Musk has begun his project because on the one hand, unlike BlackRock Neurotech, which has tons of implants in people's heads right now, uh, Elon Musk is talking about Neuralink as a commercial project. And as opposed to Synchron, which has probably uh, upward of a, a dozen uh, patients right now, Synchron also wants to create a sort of commercial project, a brain-computer interface for normal people, so to speak. Uh, but unlike Elon Musk, um, you know, they don't have the funding. Musk has billions and billions of dollars, but uh, you know, maybe more importantly, has hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of fanboys uh, who, whatever he is up to, they seem to be cool with. So uh, it's a big deal. The normalization of the idea of sticking a chip in your brain to connect you to the internet, to connect you to other brains, and of course, to connect you to AI. Uh, this is at the moment an idea with just a small, small number of actual humans involved, but uh, one never really knows how far it will take off. And I think the idea itself normalizes or even trivializes a lot of the big problems we already have yeah it's i mean it's just uh, i i fully agree with you uh, on that those points and you know elon musk recently did become um 50 billion dollars poorer thanks to delaware uh right uh the the, the judge that uh ruled that the, the, that what the board gave him was not uh correct so maybe that's a small victory in terms of uh slowing down the advance of the Neuralink. we're gonna go to our headlines we interrupt this program. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. New York Governor Kathy Hochul has shown concern regarding an incident on January 27th where two NYPD officers were attacked by a group of illegal immigrants in Times Square. Democratic Representative Ariana Presley has condemned Walgreens for racial and economic discrimination after closing a pharmacy in Boston. Reuters reported that during last year's extensive joint military exercises with Australia, known as Talisman Sabre, the United States established new caches of military equipment in Australia. 
Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Again, we're talking to Joe Allen. I can't highly, uh, I can't recommend more his book, uh, Dark Eon. You know, do get a copy. It just really covers um, the waterfront on the to- on these topics of transhumanism and whatnot. And, and do subscribe to his Substack, JoeBot.substack.com, JoeBot XYZ on Twitter. And and just I think that last point on the the brain chip, chip the Neuralink. You know, I've got a Starlink. Um, Joe was using it the other day. I was forced to, but it's it's good technology but i i think the danger here the main point is that the fanboys as you say um i think a lot of people would run with it and then i think there's a critical mass point a rubicon though that once it's crossed uh it, it ent- ent- enters into mass use and consumption no yes uh, you know think about it on in terms of a spectrum you let's just put the center of the spectrum at the smartphone since that's the most normalized uh, digital technology that people use and, you know, go all the way down to radio over there. Don't worry about that. That's all over with and start moving from the smartphone towards augmented reality, towards virtual reality, towards non-invasive brain computer interfaces, the sort of things that uh, say next mind uh, are already marketing for virtual reality. But there's a number of other very uh, soon to be on the market, non-invasive brain computer interfaces, everything from headbands to little earbuds, all sorts of things to read your brain and tailor the digital experience uh, to your brain waves. So it's not that big of a jump from there to a brain implant. Uh, and I think that taken as a whole, that the idea of a brain computer interface jabbed into your brain and uh, and again, transmitting in Elon Musk's vision, the contents of your whole brain into a digital system to be analyzed by, by AI. And then, of course, giving your brain full access to that AI to write upon it. That's not technically feasible at the moment, not even remotely close. But the idea of it, the more you lure people into this notion that in order to maintain position in a society like ours, in a high-tech society, you are going to have to adopt the next big thing. When you sit, when you put that as the ultimate goal or one of the ultimate goals, a sort of benchmark letting you know that you're on your way to a full-fledged cyborg, uh, it makes all of the other little concessions that much more palatable. So a palm payment system at Amazon, or even if it were to be so extreme, the sorts of hand, uh, you know, the the implants, the near field communication or RFID implants that you see uh, very popular, I guess, in Sweden with companies like Biohacks uh, and Epicenter. And so these small steps, even just using your credit card every day, even just using the automated uh, teller or the automated cashier that tells you what to do every step of the way, every single day. Uh, all of these things become that much more palatable, become that much less daunting in light of the idea of sticking trodes in your brain like uh, punk rock patches on your vest uh, that allow you to you know, keep pace in the future. 
that that's my big worry worry is that Elon Musk is holding up an ideal and in the same way that any religious ideal is never really realized on this earth fully uh it doesn't matter if the full brain computer interface both sides of the dome uh is realized in the you know the the upper echelons or anyone what really matters i think is that we are driving towards a future in which corporations uh, oftentimes using the government to either give them safe and effective stamps or even to impose their technologies these corporations and the billionaires at the head uh, are very quickly intruding upon our lives with their supposedly genius innovations at least the ones they're funding and uh, as that future rushes headlong towards us i think that um, it's it's pretty obvious uh, you know in the wake of the pandemic that a lot of the public is very susceptible and if a critical mass accepts a certain idea and the technologies that go along with that idea then we can find ourselves in a very uncomfortable situation and and, and i'm with you i think last time you said idiocracy with algorithms is our future and as the days go by I'm 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 thinking I'm I'm agreeing with you you know I was just thinking as you mentioned they're not close to really having the Neuralink fully operational but uh you know I've been battling with the past multiple weeks uh months with just simply the internet in my home uh otherwise my ISP is excellent but um and they do Kafka-esque stuff the tech guy comes to fix it then he breaks something else and then there's no internet again and i'm just like if they can't get that and that's the foundation for having access to all this stuff that you're talking about the the, the internet if they can't get that right how are they going to get all this other stuff right and i i just think the best that they might get to is idiocracy with algorithms um and that's no fun um either and i i also didn't want to get your thoughts on you went to this uh las vegas um was it the the uh, called consumer electronics um where is it uh, CES uh yeah the, 2024. yeah consumer electronics show yeah 2024. and, and, and again i i love your writing uh, i would often go to vegas because i used to have family that lived there uh and, and the way you write about vegas is is fantastic but i love your subtitle you say social robots teledildonics and metaverse muzzles the consumer electronics shows a toy store for the fourth industrial revolution uh, and you uh, it, it was about a week can you tell us a bit about well what are your uh, some of your takeaways what are some of the things that they're cooking up in that uh, um, transhumanist uh, laboratory yeah any of your listeners who want to check out the article uh packed with pics that's at jobot.xyz that just leads you straight to my sub stack you can find it there but the three big things one of the issues in covering technology is to try to identify the technologies that are actually viable and that will actually take off either they'll be adopted on mass or the government will in some way uh, either force you or at least make life uncomfortable if you don't adopt it so uh looking at all these wild new gadgets uh i the way i immediately thought of it, it had the feel of a science fair right a science fair for future cyborgs it doesn't mean that these genius projects are going to go anywhere just because they've gotten them to work, at least a prototype for, for uh, various investors or CES goers to look at. But um, it does give you an idea of what is wanted. It gives you just the idea of like what the possibilities are uh, boiling underneath. I mean, we're talking about an event with 
I believe some 4,000 presenters, 130,000 people attending, uh, three major venues and many other smaller venues. Uh, you, the three, I'll, I'll just talk about uh, three that you just mentioned right there. Um, you know, the social robots, They it was the first time I actually saw that little doll Moxie, the, uh, the social robot for small children. It's literally intended as a way of kind of normalizing human machine interaction at a very, very young age. It's very hokey, but, you know, as an adult, anything for little kids seems hokey. I think that uh, it does represent uh, both a technical advance and also something that will be commercially successful, at least among some number of people, not unlike, say, Alexa. Uh, the other, uh, Teledildonics, uh, I'll just, uh, you know, I, I encourage your listeners to come check it out on my site. You can, you can maybe get a better sense of me just telling you about it. But there was a place, a little section called the Handyverse with um, little holsters for as the woman so kindly identified penis owners and um, it, it allows for uh, one uh, you know uh, love with robots or love with a lo you know a, a a romantic partner at a distance uh, you know again this is the sort of thing that may or may not take off but you know flashlights have already taken off pornos already taken off i imagine that some version of a kind of clunky sex bot will probably become uh, more and more popular maybe as popular as, say, uh, an AI app like Replica, where mostly dudes, but also some women sit and text back and forth with an AI lover that uh, has no soul, one presumes, on the other end. The last one, though, the Metaverse Muzzles, I got to say this, uh, you know, of all the things I saw there, I mean, we're talking about all kinds of crazy EVs, uh, all kinds of crazy virtual reality experiences, all kinds of crazy processors, uh, memory chips, uh, all the sorts of things that you saw there that, uh, you know, were either impressive in the idea or maybe even impressive as far as the possibility of them being a norm. The metaverse muzzle, you had these muzzles that people were intended to wear. They look kind of like Top Gun, you know, like Air Force pilot uh, uh, oxygen masks. And uh, they allow you to talk in public without anyone hearing your voice, right? It's just a, a mask, just like a regular old COVID mask except for as you speak on the train, on the plane, in a coffee shop, nobody can hear you. Now, the real tension that I found here is this. On the one hand, people wearing masks needlessly is super annoying. I can't stand talking to someone and they're going to mask on, right? But uh, people who talk on their phones or play YouTube videos or whatever, especially when they talk on their phones with a speakerphone on in public, I think that that should be made illegal tomorrow. And so a really good replacement for that would be the muzzles. It would also let you know who was a knee-jerk public phone talker. So, um, you know, I, I guess, Havore, as much as I'm techno-negative, as much I'm a, as I'm against government mandates, I think that anybody, and I mean anybody, caught talking on their speakerphone in a library, a coffee shop, on the bus, even on the street, must be forced to wear these masks. Um, that's my... Uh, that's my counsel to any politicians who want to really uh, get ahead in the technological game. And, and I love what you wrote where you said, in the deep metaverse, no one can hear you scream. Uh, and I saw that clip when you posted it on X where you were talking to the two developers. I guess they're using Kickstarter, but I, I just, I don't know 
for I don't even want a VR in my home, let alone like be walking around with this thing. And the limits to where they're pushing this are are absolutely um, insane. And uh, I guess we'll get your your further thought, thoughts uh, on all of that after the break. Again, check out all of Joe's stuff. You know, the more you support people like Joe Allen, uh, the more Joe Allens will get, the more. Uh, of this sort of cutting edge reporting uh, we'll get. And so you can uh, get his bo book, Dark uh, Aeon, or go to jobot.substack.com. We'll be right back. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, the trial between Michael Mann and Mark Stein continues in Washington, D.C., and something very interesting has just occurred. It appears that Michael Mann has succeeded in putting his hockey stick on trial in Mann versus free speech. Now, this is very interesting because if Stein's people can get the people watching this trial to understand that Dr. Mann would not reveal how he came up with his conclusions, that should instantly, instantly make it so that this thing should be dismissed. So I don't know if Dr. Mann was thinking, but apparently the hockey stick, his famed idea that let's take away the medieval warming period and the Earth's temperature just flatlined and went up like crazy, and it really put him on the map and became an icon for the IPCC. I don't know if he wants this because you would need discovery and the discovery would be let me see your data. Why should the entire planet simply accept something? Maybe Michael Mann is the most honest guy in the world, but why should we accept his word without looking at the data? So this is going to be very, very interesting over the next few days. And it is a big deal because this kind of stuff going on where people are suing other people for things that are questionable at best, it's got to stop or society will spin out of control. This is weatherbell.com Chief Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. My character Shazam knows all about growing up in a family full of teenage superheroes. They're bold. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Adventurous. Shazam! There's never a dull moment. And no matter what happens, they'll always have your back. All they need is a place to grow and be themselves. And the best part is, you don't have to be a superhero to adopt a teen. Learn more about adopting a teen from foster care. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. You're with Hervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Our final segment here with Joe Allen. Find him on Twitter, XJobotXYZ. And just on that Metaverse note, I just, as you were explaining, it's almost like the COVID masks prepped us for the next phase, which would be the metaverse um, muzzles. No, it just seems almost too um, perfect. And during COVID, people were were saying that, like, for example, the AI facial recognition can recognize your face. But then, you know, us using the masks was almost like training the AI to develop further so any final thoughts on, on on that or the metaverse yeah I, I would say that even though this particular project was underway before covid once covid normalized people wearing masks it opened up the door for that sort of technology to take off that's one of the strange things about the evolution of technology you never know when a novel situation might open up a potentiality for it to come through 
I, I mean, look at the mRNA uh, vaccine, if you want to call it that. Uh, it would have obviously never had any possibility of being adopted at scale were it not for the scare tactics. It's uh, interesting how all that worked out, right? But yeah, the metaverse has kind of troubled me, Evore, since I first started really hammering on it uh, in 2021. It was pretty clear that virtual reality had come into its own. I experienced a few uh, high-quality virtual reality realms that left me with the sense that if this were to become widely available, the same kinds of people that would be sitting around playing World of Warcraft all day or Baldur's Gate 3 or what have you would just sink into a virtual world. I mean, the tech is there. Uh, the worlds aren't really fleshed out yet. It's still kind of a blank canvas with only a few different worlds painting onto it. But yeah, uh, it didn't take off, though. Uh, sometimes I think maybe it was because of that really super dorky Mark Zuckerberg presentation where they all look like what uh, Douglas Rushkoff said. They all look like deep fakes of themselves. Uh, maybe it was that. I, 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 you know, I don't know, but maybe it's the expense. Maybe it's the Oculus isn't as good. I don't know. But I do know it's just sitting there like a sort of a, a psychological time bomb uh, for the matrix to get another level. You can level up in the degree of uh, demiurge illusions that you take on in the in the matrix. Like rather than sitting and watching stupid stuff on your TV out here, uh, you know, or even a smartphone right here, uh, the idiocy will be pumped into your eyeballs right here. Uh, Zuckerberg ain't slowing down. And by the way, he's also pushing forward with Meta's AGI projects, their artificial general intelligence projects, doing it open source, which we'll see if that helps them in their struggle to remain relevant in the face of all this competition. But I, I, I don't think Zuckerberg's kind of a, a fixture. He's, he's, he's really, uh, I, I don't see Meta going away. They'll go up and down in stock and up and down in uh, you know, consumers, but it's not going away. This is just uh, one of the kind of nightmarish nodes in a vast network of uh, horrible ideas that are being pushed on us 24-7. Yeah, so people get to choose how close, uh, how far they want to go into uh, dystopia. And and something uh, also on your feed that I think was important, there was this segment or interview, I think his name is Brian Johnson. He's uh, a wealthy guy who's biohacking, I think, himself to stay forever young. And you, you call it the libertarian case for a blank blank slate antichrist. And he basically, um, and I think this is part of everything we're, we're talking about. They're trying to get people in this direction where, what, what was he saying? That the, the young generation will be like a blank slate. They're going to throw out all previous norms and traditions and you basically jump uh, into this tech, technological transhumanist thing. And explore like you know no morals no values no nothing and it's, it's it's like they're creating this new type of 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 system and that's dangerous if they get more people jumping on on board brian um brian's vision your your, your thoughts on that yeah i mean again not unlike elon musk here you have a very wealthy man with that has a lot more influence now than i ever thought he would say three four years ago when i first started writing about him and he's 
let's just look at Brian Johnson real quick, like where he came from. He came out of digital currency, actually. Braintree was the payment system that he made his wealth with. They purchased Venmo. Uh, then Venmo was picked up by, I think, PayPal. But anyway, huge buyout. It was something like $800 million uh, buying out Venmo, leaving Brian Johnson uh, very, very wealthy. I think he's worth roughly $400 million right now, so nearly half a billion dollars. And so now Brian Johnson has created a sort of media space or a you know, social media space around himself, being the center of attention and, and trying to use himself as a, a human lab rat for all of these different biometrics, you know, self-surveillance devices, kind of Internet of Bodies, uh, and then also to you know radically augment his food consumption, uh, the, you know his, his his workout routine, da, 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 sort of like a, like the real uh, insufferable douchebags you see at the gym who are just full of advice, except for people are running to him to advice or for advice now. Now, what's also interesting about Brian Johnson is that he is very into parabiosis. This is something that Peter Thiel has had an interest in. And a number of other uh, kind of transhumanist types have had an interest in parabiosis is basically vampirism in which you take the blood from the young and you pump it into the old. In Brian Johnson's case, uh, he made a really big deal out of his big media event. Uh, he had the blood of his son pumped into him. And if I'm not mistaken, he pumped his blood into his own father. Um, all of this is, you know, kind of in the vein of what he was talking about in that interview. Uh, that was the Rich Roll podcast. It was like two days ago. At three days ago. And uh, in the interview, what he was talking about, basically, at least the, the clip that I focused in on, big shout out to Zarathustra. Even if you are a proto-transhumanist, you, you are on top of things. So, uh, But what he was talking about in that segment of the interview was that with the advent of artificial super intelligence, right? You go from artificial narrow intelligence, presumably to some kind of artificial general intelligence that has better capacities and also generalized intelligence. And then you move into a kind of super intelligent AI uh, in which human beings are left in the dust intellectually. At the very least, it opens up, as Johnson was talking about, all of these possibilities for intellectual development, for scientific progress, for technological progress, so on and so forth. So what he was talking about was generation zero that's us basically and as younger people in that are alive now uh this is kind of in line with transhumanism humanity plus it's just a rebranding it's his own little younger people in that are alive now uh this is kind of in line with transhumanism humanity plus it's just a rebranding it's his own little brand of it but what he means is that we are now at a kind of hard reset on human nature that because of genetic engineering, because of the various phenotypical manipulations that he is working on and selling the paradigm for with his project blueprint, uh, because of the ability to rewire the brain in various ways from electromagnetic stimulation to chemicals, uh, because of the Possibility that's held out that artificial general intelligence in conjunction with robotics will be able to alter the physical world in dramatic new ways. What he's saying is that this generation zero will not be beholden to any of the old human traditions that have held us, that have anchored us both to the earth and to the heavens, that we are now uh, without anchor 
awash in a sea of novel uh, possibilities, many of them driven by algorithms uh, and uh, just digital technology in general. And it's interesting, Havore, he sounds like a communist talking about their mythical new man, or he sounds kind of like John Locke talking about the blank slate, right? The tabula rasa. Um, I it's, it's fascinating. It's, it would be very easy to pigeonhole him as some kind of neo-communist or neo-Marxist, but he's really not. He's just a, a, a super capitalist. Uh, this is a, all about libertarian mutation. It's all about morphological freedom. And so basically the promise is you could buy your way into this generation zero. And should you have the sufficient, should you have sufficient funds uh, to reprogram yourself in any of the ways I just mentioned, uh, then you too will be part of the future. And if not, then the implication is you are just a fossil, uh, be that a Christian or just a hardcore Luddite or a kind of modern day caveman. So Brian Johnson, like Elon Musk, uh, is both kind of uh, uh, you know intentionally blasphemous, uh, you know, taking on this religious-like uh, figure uh, for you know kind of uh, imagery for himself, uh, and also very important, not as important as Elon, of course, or Musk, not Elon, that's gay, uh, but um, but he's as important as Musk uh, in the sense that he is profoundly influential for a lot of very wealthy people and also just the general public who thinks what he's doing is cool. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's freaking me out, and um, we just got a couple minutes left. And uh, I, I loved your take on the the Rancor, um, Rand Corporation dropped on you. I, I bookmarked that for for later reading, titled "Plagues, Cyborgs, and Super Soldiers." Uh, and you summed it up. It's twenty twenty eight. People suck. China spreads an engineered coronavirus, but only after vaccine military and top officials um and and so forth so uh you know in, in the two minutes or or so that we have left you know thoughts on that or uh anything else that you think uh, is important when it comes to technocracy transhumanism and whatnot you know i think rand corporation is a, a more esoteric version of what we just talked about with elon musk and brian johnson uh, you know rand corporation kind of sets the keynote right they set the tone uh, publications I've really dug into in the last couple of years were uh, their publications on brain-computer interfaces or the Internet of Bodies. Uh, this was maybe just a kind of off-the-cuff bit, but they held out uh, five or six, maybe even seven scenarios that they felt are a danger to human beings and especially uh, a security threat for the U.S., What's interesting about looking at these scenarios, everything from China intentionally spreading a, 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 a virus that has been bioengineered to attack us while vaccinating themselves to uh, brain-computer interfaces being installed in politicians who then go nuts, it gives you, on the one hand, a sense of like where the some of the top military uh, and government advisors are as far as what they think are possible futures. It also gives you a sense, and you always have to balance this with what I just said, uh, a, a sense of what they want you to be thinking about, because they know at this point, especially, that dissidents are reading these publications. And I think it would, you know, maybe your listeners want to just check out the publication itself. I really think that they're trolling us with a lot of that stuff. I really think that the, some of the people writing it, maybe I'm just being paranoid, some of the people writing it wrote the passages they did with us in mind, just trying to push our buttons, which is both uh, hilarious and sinister.
I hope you're right. Twenty seconds left. Tell us where we can go to find all of your stuff. Go to JoeBot.xyz or look up the book Dark Eon Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity, bookshop.org or canonic.xyz. Thank you very much, Wavori. It's very good to uh, talk to you. I hope to see you soon. Same here. Always great chatting. I'm signing off. Uh, Steve Malsberg is up next. Be seeing you.